The following podcast will contain spoilers and explicit language. Hello and welcome to The Other Wrestling Show. We are back with a brand new episode discussing this week and a little bit of last week uh, because I was unable to record. So uh, we are going to start off by discussing our top items from this week's jam-packed episode of Dynamite. Stock up, stock down. And yeah, Joel, this felt like a very meaty Dynamite. There was a lot on this card, so... We'll try to keep this uh, a little faster than we usually, quicker, faster, quicker than we usually do. Uh, but let's start with the, uh, why don't we go with the main event, Joel? Uh, TNT Championship ladder match between uh, apparently a face Scorpio Sky and a a super, super heel Sammy Guevara. Fans are not into him right now. He has a very punchable face. Um, but yeah, this match saw. Uh, Scorpio Sky win the TNT championship, which what seems like what the sixth or seventh TNT title change in the last four months. It's, it's interesting. Cause like <laughs> 2022 so far has been like the year of failed title defenses in, in the TNT <laughs> championship. And it's uh, cause you know, Cody won it and then he lost it and then Sammy lost it and then he won it and then he lost it. It's kind of wild that it's changed hands so many times when title changes felt really rare. And, you know, we've talked about this before that, like, eventually we're going to get to a point where there are some transitional title reigns and not every title reign is going to be super long and super meaningful. And that's fine. That is (laughs) totally fine, especially for the mid-card belt. It doesn't Mm -hmm. have to be a thing that gets held for a super long time. In fact... I think contrast is a good thing because now the next time somebody does have a good long title reign for like six months or something, it's going to feel significant. And uh, frankly, I don't think Scorpio Sky is headed for a six month title reign here. There are just <laughs> too many contenders and people who are are due for a championship run. And, uh, you know, it's it's going to be hard to to keep the belt off of some of those folks. So. Mike, what do you think? We got spoiled. So, Joel, I'm looking at the TNT Championship Wikipedia page, and Darby Allin and Miro held the title for combined over 326 days. Those two guys held the title. Since then, we haven't had a a TNT title reign go over triple digits. Uh, We barely have had a title reign go over a month uh, time. So it's just been this weird stretch. And, you know... If you look at the first three title reigns of the TNT Championship, they were 82, 55, and 31 days. So they also were pretty, you know, relatively short reigns compared to what we've seen from other championships in AEW. So maybe this is a move back to more of the norm. It's just weird that it's bounced off Sammy Guevara, Scorpio Sky for for basically four months now. And um, I don't know if this is reaction to maybe how the fans have reacted to Sammy Guevara. You know, it. Seems like plans might have been thrown off when Cody and Brandy left. Um, it seems like they really said, oh, we can just slide Sammy and Ty Conti into the Brandy Cody Rhodes role and Sam and Sky and Paige and Paige Van Zant can feud with them. So I don't know. It's been weird. I, 
not to take any away from what these two guys have done in the ring, because I've actually really enjoyed their, their championship matches so far. And this ladder match was wild, you know, for a cable TV ladder match that didn't get probably more than 15, 20 minutes. Uh, there were some crazy spots in this. It seems like we have a double turn official now. And, you know, we're both big Scorpio Sky fans. We're both big Sammy Guevara fans. So, you know, the in-ring stuff has been really good. Yeah, this whole turn has been kind of weird. And it feels like it almost started online because, like, there was the whole kerfuffle around when people found out that Sammy wasn't with his ex-fiance anymore who he had proposed to on an episode of AEW television. And apparently like they broke up right after that and hadn't been together. And people thought that somehow like Ty Conti had gotten involved and had stolen Sammy away from her and was like Mm -hmm. home wrecking or some bullshit. And it's like, no, like these are people doing their thing and you made it your business. And then you were mad about what you discovered when you made it your business. And then they decided to embrace the fact that people were mad at them and lean into it. And now they've mm-hmm. become insufferable for those of us who didn't give a shit about what was happening <laughs> online. I mean, I do think Sammy's natural state is a heel. Like he yeah, has a agreed. punchable face. He His face promos just never hit quite like his kind of cocky, arrogant heel work. So I'm actually, I'm glad he's back to this. Um, you know, Ty Conti is, you know, a, a Great addition to it, I guess. But yeah, it's 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 been weird. And frankly, like I I don't try to follow a lot of wrestlers on social media because like most of the time it's kayfabe, which means it's not really useful or insightful or interesting. And then when it isn't kayfabe, it's usually like racist or misogynistic. So like I just kind of try to avoid that realm really of uh professional wrestlers because honestly i don't i really don't care what sammy's personal life is like like if he found his way to someone who makes him happy cool dude like cool um so yeah i is what it is joel what there were some spots in this match uh sammy (laughs) he's he's got that jeff hardy gene he sees something tall he he immediately thinks what can i jump how can i fall off of this and that crash he took early in the match off the ladder like I don't even know if that was like a 720. How many rotations was that? I looked like a twisting 720. Um, All of the uh, rotations. Yeah, or or 630, I guess, is what it is. It's Mm -hmm. a a 630, not a 720. Um, But yeah, there wasn't much of a catch there. Oh. Um, He he landed pretty (laughs) clean on his back, but still, like, that's a hell of a bump. And and then he proceeded to get obliterated on a a TKO from the top of the ladder. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, that final huge bump that he took onto the barbed wire ladder from the top of the tall ladder, which, again, really clean. Like he yeah. hit that perfectly and very, very impressive. But it's like, buddy. You don't have to do that. You really don't have to do that. No one is making you do that. And and we like you. We would like for you to have a nice long career. Mm-hmm. And um, good God, man. Yeah. You know what it reminded me of? It, it's like when you see like a little kid who learns like, oh, I can jump off the diving board in the deep end and then just spends the entire afternoon 
jumping off the diving board, climbing <laughs> out, getting on the diving board, jumping it, like, and just doing that for like three hours straight. That's what it, Sammy just loves jumping and falling off of shit. Um, yeah, it, it was wild. These spots were crazy. I do think the match should have ended with the barbed wire spot. It seemed weird that he immediately jumped back up, got on the ladder, and then just yeah. fell off. Like, that's the spot. You fall on the barbed wire, stay down, dude. It's yep. okay. Like, Scorpio should have won right then because they no-sold it. And also, when Sky took, like, the standing Spanish fly onto it early in the match, I was like, oh, man, that's rough. And then, like, there was no blood coming from his back. Like, I'm sorry. If you're hitting a barbed wire ladder, you should have a few scrapes. There were some visible scratches, though. Like, he had some marks. It And, and you can't, like... You don't want actual barbed no, wire. No, but like, like you gotta and, have something because, like, it, it. Well, you don't. You and, don't have control over that. How are but you they supposed also, to? I don't know. I don't. I really don't know. This is. The, but like they fo- like the cameraman focused on his back, expecting there to be like, oh, look at the carnage. I'm like, he looks fine. Don't focus I don't know. on the there back. There were some visual. <laughs> there were some visual scratch marks on his back. It it looked uncomfortable, and I also I appreciated how he continued to sell that throughout the rest of the match. Mm-hmm. He did that uh, jumping flatliner and landed on his back and immediately kind of did the arching the back up off Mm -hmm. the ground, which, you know, I think we can all relate to like that's, you know, when you've got like a a cut or a scratch or or even like a bad sunburn or something and you, you know, lay down on something accidentally. and It's like, ah, that was a bad idea. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, unfortunately, this feud isn't really over because we know that they promised Conti and Guevara, the the intergender tag match, which this basically was an intergender tag team ladder match uh, based off of the women's involvement. So we'll see how that goes. But Joel, if this truly was like a a, a dual turn over the last few weeks, which I don't think Sky is going to be like a, you know, take your vitamins, say your prayers, baby face. As but long as he's around Dan Lambert, he's not a baby face. It that's just, what I was going to ask. Like, can he really be a face with Dan Lambert at his side? Cause I think Paige, sky and like, like Paige Van Zant, like she got, she got a pop tonight and yeah. she like had like the smile and like kind of breathing in the moment. So, but can they really be that with fucking Dan Lambert on their side? I mean, I think there's a version of that that can work, but Honestly, I think if if we find out that, you know, Dan Lambert suffered a ruptured testicle after that nut shot. Oh, that was and... the strongest blow blow <laughs> kick I've ever seen. Yeah, but, you know, and, and then he's out of commission and, and isn't, you know, able to be around anymore uh, as a result of that. You know, yeah, I think they have some baby face potential. But if, if he shows up with like an ice pack taped to his groin. <laughs> Um, no, they're still heels. I mean, it's, you can, you can be baby face for one match based off of who you're facing and, and then go back. But I mean, I I think what it comes down to is his behavior might be baby face, even if his character is not right. Mm -hmm. So like he's granting Kazarian this title match that he promised him. And I think, you know, that's a very baby face thing to do. Um, even if he's not going to be presenting his baby face, he could still, you know, Mm -hmm be the good guy and honor his word and be a fighting champion, which honestly is what you want from someone like Scorpio sky. He's a work rate dude. He needs to go out and work great matches. Yeah. I think he could do like the, I'm so damn talented heel type role where he's not necessarily a bad dude. He just knows I'm better than you and I'm 
gonna beat you and that's it um by the way someone needs to put like a a, a portrait like a yeah a, like brazil soccer uh guy screaming <laughs> goal as ty kicks him in the nads um because seriously that was so fucking like vicious yeah i've never seen one like for that. it like yeah <laughs> i kind of expected dan lambert to be like puking outside the ring as a result like he had to have been wearing a cup or some kind he, of protection even with a cup, because it still has like that's still not gonna feel good like like i played i played pop warner wore a cup and i got hit in the groin and it still didn't feel good like yeah but i mean that was i mean either that or or ty conti has absolutely perfect control and like (laughs) stopped just short yeah she has anime combat skills um Anything else to say about this, uh, this, this, the main event, Joel, or can we uh, move on to our next topic? I got everything I wanted. That's, that's my takeaway. <laughs> Scorpio Sky won. Dan Lambert yep. got kicked in the nuts. I got everything I wanted from this match. Send the fans home happy. <laughs> um, all right. Well, Joel, kind of weird, weird that we had a ladder match and a Philly street fight, but, uh, Hikaru Shida, Serena D part five, part five going back to last June. Uh, Joel, I, you have the floor. I know you love these two, so have at it. Yeah, I mean, this was a, despite also being a hardcore no disqualification stipulation style match, had a very different flavor from the main event. But uh, in large part because the wrestlers actually sold the moves like for extended periods of time. There wasn't as much like bouncing back up after getting smacked with a chair um and and then you know the finish of course saw the ultimate selling which is tapping out uh yeah the brutality that was inflicted on hikaru shida's knee by way of you know multiple uses of a chair to destroy somebody's joint and uh i I thought this was yet another master class and yeah we've seen this match now five times it has been five different matches and I'm ready for five more. Like I don't see myself getting tired of this match. I just don't. It's so good. Yeah. Yeah. I, my, my favorite spot from this match is where they kind of had the table set up and like, she had like rolled her and like threw deep into the chair, like from the ground, like that looked really smooth, really great. Um, yeah, I, I, both of these women are super talented. It, it's weird because this feuds like they go like a couple weeks, maybe like a couple months in between matches. Like if we're looking at the history here, their first one was in June. Oh, wait, no, November. Sorry. The, the, the dates on this spreadsheet are not in the way that an American would normally read these. So it wasn't June. I'm sorry. It was October, October, December, January, April. So like they space these out enough where you like you still care about it. And the video packages have been if you miss something, you can always like bring you back to why these two women hate each other. Um, I was a little surprised that they they gave Deeb the win until I saw Thunder Rosa looking on backstage. Seems like we have our new AW Women Women's Championship program with double or nothing a month away. Uh a deep Thunder Rosa championship match, championship story. Oh man, I'm excited. Um, like I would love to see Sheeta get into the Owen. Like I feel like that'd be a great place for her. 
yeah. right now. And then you can revisit this down the line. I do also want to see like Ishida because she kind of went away. She went to Japan, I think, for a little bit after her last loss to uh, Serena Deep. So I kind of hope she sticks around for a while, you know, kind of gets back into maybe a non-deep storyline, maybe something with Jade Cargill down their line. Um, I think there's plenty of opportunities because she's so she's so damn good. Like, I don't want to like like, yeah, the Owen is they're stacking the Owen tournaments. And I think it would be weird not to have Yukaru Shida in in that. Agreed. Agreed. And it's not like she's been overexposed lately. Mm-hmm. where we need this knee to be like something that keeps her out of action for a while. Um, I, I agree. Put her into some more matches and let's keep deep and Sheeta away from each other for a little while and then bring them back together again, because we know this is not over. It cannot possibly be over. Um, now I, I do have a question for you, which is, do you think uh, Serena Deeb is still going to have a swollen cheekbone come double or nothing? <laughs> A month, I think. I think it will come down by then. But man, that that, that I mean, was, it was a still getting bigger at the time the match was <laughs> over. It had not swelled to full size yet. Like that, she got blasted in the face with a kendo stick. I'm pretty sure that happened during the blind swinging portion of the match yeah. after uh, she threw Tony Khan's cocaine into. <laughs> Karushita's face and yes. Shida was just swinging wildly with the uh, kendo stick. What they should do is they should go hold Dash and Cody Rhodes on here, have her wear a mask and like go the I'm hideous, I'm a monster and just even sink deeper into like this kind of psychotic mess that she is. Um, two things, two things about this match. Uh, one, fire JR into the sun. <laughs> like, like. <laughs> The might be a little extreme. The whole she like how Americanized Sheeta is now, like terrible, fucking terrible. And like, I'm gonna tell you something real quick. Like, my grandparents are Filipino. My dad's Filipino. My grandfather was so obsessed with being American in the 50s and 60s that my dad didn't learn Tagalog. They didn't speak it in the home. And like two generations later, I'm like, I feel disconnected from like my Filipino culture. So like hearing some old fucking white guys say that about an American, uh, an Asian wrestler just really pisses me off. So maybe it's an extreme fire into the sun. Maybe just fire him. <laughs> like we don't need him anymore, Joel. Like we've talked about this. Like, yeah, I, I think he's outlived his usefulness. He did yeah. lend some credibility in the beginning, but I can't remember the last time I was watching AEW programming and thought, yeah, JR is really adding a lot to this, it, and it, I, especially women's matches. He just yeah. cannot fucking help himself from talking about the way they look and anything about them other than their ability as wrestlers. Yeah. And yeah. it's, he's just, he can't do it. He is terrible yeah. at commentating women's matches. I also, th- I like, I just don't think he has it anymore. And I feel like he's just not being put in a position to succeed, not just with the women's matches, just in general. Especially because I mean, we have so many talented commentators yeah. across Rampage, Elevation, like Taz full time on commentary would be great. Big Show, sorry, Paul White, uh, Mark Henry on guest spots could all fill in the role and work. Well, and what he's really good at, like the times that we've been like, wow, that was a really good segment is when he's done the sit downs backstage yeah. that are like the, you know, armchair interview segments. Yeah. Those have been consistently good. 
And I, I think that's the best use of JR at this point in his career because, like, it's just not good. He he can't yeah. hide his his disdain for the things that he doesn't like in modern professional wrestling. And then he can't commentate women's matches to save his life. Like, gun to his head. If someone was like, do a good job commentating this women's match, it would be the last match he ever called. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The the second thing I wanted to say is Sheeta's look was awesome. Like it was a badass look. Like I always love when there's a street fight, like with the men, they always wear like jeans mm-hmm. or like, you know, they they alter their look a little bit. So like I really like appreciated that she did that. Maybe and her look didn't look Americanized to me. It looked anime. I know. Like, yes, that's the thing. <laughs> that that looked like fucking tiktok weeb girl you know anime tiktok like nothing about that screams american um so yeah man i okay we should move off jr because i'm just so mad at him right now (laughs) (laughs) because this match was great and i shouldn't be like focusing on what this old guy had to say so we've got this potential for Thunder Rosa and Deeb at Double or Nothing. Kind of feels like that's the direction we're headed. Uh, obviously, I feel like it's still too early for Thunder Rosa to drop the title. You know, she's had one title defense and, yeah, and hasn't had the belt for that long. Uh, so what do you think about Deeb being put in this position where kind of feels like a no-win proposition? The what you do is you, you put on a five-star match. Yeah. Like, like that's what you do. And that's what Serena Deeb is capable of doing. That's what Thunder Rose is capable of doing. And this doesn't necessarily mean this is a feud that starts this week and then ends at double or nothing. You know, you could escalate it beyond that where maybe you get a stipulation match. You know, we had Thunder Rose has been in cage matches and, and hardcore matches. Like maybe this has to lead to something different, you know, um, so yeah, I, I'm not too worried about that because I don't think Deeb is one of those, she's, she's not going to like, she's not Nyla Rose, unfortunately. Like, like I don't take Nyla Rose seriously anymore, honest, like whenever she's put into a title match or something like that. Cause I'm like, she's got to lose. Like, I don't think even if she loses this first title match that it's going to impact her. Cause I kind of think she's one of those wrestlers where that's like, that's not necessary for her. Like she doesn't need it. Um, she can make an impact on the card and put on great matches without a title involved. So now if you really want, want me fancy booking, let's somehow bring Sheeta into this and make it a, uh, a triple threat for the women's championship. And let's just have all sorts of fun. Thunder Rosa, Sheeta, Deeb. Let's go. Agreed. But let's move on. Joel, there was a big announcement last week on dynamite. The forbidden door. Fuck that door. The door has been kicked open. And AEW and NJPW will be running a super show in Chicago in June. Joel, we started immediately fantasy booking this card. Uh, tell me, tell me the top match, not even top match. Tell me a match you want to see on this card that uh, would just tickle you fancy. So, I mean, I, I think there's there's so many possibilities, right? I, I think this is kind of a can't go wrong sort of show like you have some obvious obvious things like Andrade versus Naito you know you've got Tranquilo versus Tranquilo and that would just be a really fascinating match I think the biggest thing to me is like 
for all this wealth of talent, you need to keep the match card short. Like, I don't want this to be a 15 match extravaganza. Give me seven. Give me seven exceptional matches and give them all time. And you have the potential to have, you know, one of the best pro wrestling shows of the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. So that's really what I want. I don't care what the matches are. I don't care who is in these matches, but I want the card to be small. Like, keep it in the single digits. Yeah, you'd have to think, too, with the show being here in the United States, that NJPW, you know, they're probably not going to bring over, you know, the entirety of their roster for this show. You know, I, I think what differentiates this from some of the NJPW like cameos we've seen over the last few years is maybe other than Jay White, like Ishii's awesome, Suzuki's awesome, uh, Rocky Romero's awesome, but they're not like the guys. Like there hasn't talking, been a Tanahashi, there hasn't been an Okada, yeah. there hasn't been a Naito, there hasn't yeah. been a Sonata, um, yeah. you know, Zack Sabre Jr. There, I mean, there are some big, big names. Um, I know everybody's excited the potential for Will Ospreay to do something. I know you don't like, yeah, well, we don't have to talk about Will Ospreay. Um, but anywho, like, the, so if they can bring over, you know, a collection of those guys that we just talked about and say it's like Okada CM Punk, my God, like, who would have thought we would have seen something like that? Or like you said, Naito versus uh, Andrade, like that match <laughs> would be awesome. Like, haven't even brought up like a Kota Ibushi either like there's who knows maybe Kenny Omega pulls a John Cena and comes back way sooner than anyone expected um there's just a lot of matchups here uh that are just super exciting and I, I really just want Tori to, was it Tori to, I can never pronounce it right Yano Yano Toru, Toru Yano, Yano. <laughs> Toru Yano uh versus Dan Housen Orange Cassidy give me one of those two let's go pure comedy to kick off the show or Moxley Yano, because <laughs> like, <laughs> Moxley's been having nightmares of Yano since the 2019 G1. Oh, man. So that's but, another piece of this is like, if this leads to a handful of AEW talents going on a sabbatical from AEW to go be in the G1 this summer, mm-hmm. like there are so many guys on the roster who would benefit from that. Um uh, I became an Adam Page fan watching him lose over and over and over again in the G1. <laughs> like, I think he won maybe two matches the year that he participated. Uh, but he had so many awesome matches. Uh, one that stands out in particular is his match with Shingo Takagi, which was fantastic. That's another name that like people aren't really bringing up who could have some sensational matches with AEW talents. But um, I, I think having, like, if I, if I could pick one match that I would like to see just purely for its significance, I would like to see Tanahashi and Brian Danielson. Oh, I got, I just got goosebumps. <laughs> like, like I, I just don't like, think there could be a more meaningful match in terms of like what each of those guys have meant to professional wrestling in the U S in Japan, all around the world, quite frankly. And, you know, we, we don't have that many good Tanahashi years left. You know, mm-hmm. he's he's getting up there. And I think this would be a really 
special match for him to have at this stage in his career. And then for Danielson, like that would be super rad. <laughs> this this is why Danielson left WWE. <laughs> like, like, let's be real, because the reports around this time last year that WWE was trying to negotiate with NJPW on behalf of D- Brian Danielson. Like, he wanted to go work with NJPW. I can guarantee, Joel, that three AEW wrestlers will not be on television in June, from July to August. And that's because the Blackpool Combat Club is going to be in Japan kicking ass. Like, <laughs> like like hey like they should do like a whole like you know road trip movie thing leading up to it like the blackpool combat club on the road it's just them kicking ass from the east coast of the united states all the way to japan you know like we have the technology that they could film vignettes from japan that could air on AEW television so that the AEW audience doesn't forget about them while they're off in japan doing their thing and the four of them Regal, Yuta, Moxley, and Danielson, like those are four creative and entertaining guys. And it could be really, really cool. Yeah. And, and I think one thing too is that th- this is obviously like the first step, you know, the Forbidden Door pay per view. I guess the first step was some of the smaller, you know, not main event players coming over and doing stuff. But who who's to say that the partnership ends with the Forbidden Door pay per view? Maybe there's some way that some of the G1 matches air on AEW television here, like for the American audience with American commentary, or there's, I don't know, like a, like a mini event that they film in in Japan while people are over there. Like there's so many uh, more possibilities now that they kind of have this official formal uh, relationship now. I mean, I do think there are still some complications because New Japan does still have the deal with Access TV. So, Mm. like, your buddy Mark Cuban might have something to say if (laughs) all of a sudden Warner Media is is trying to air NJPW content. Uh, But you know, there there are some some ways to get around that. Well, Uh, you'd have to think, you know. They would figure something out, I would assume. But I'm just saying, like, there's there's a lot more that this this relationship could bring that we probably haven't even thought of yet. Yeah, um, for sure. Like, I I would be shocked if Danielson isn't a part of the G1 this year. Like, I would be shocked. Like, the COVID restrictions are are going down in places. Like, it's gonna be he's gonna be able to go there. Like, I I would be shocked if he's not part of it because it just seems like something he desperately wanted to do in I mean, his prime. I won't be shocked at anyone not doing the G1 simply because it is such a massive commitment. And like, these are things that people who are not wrestling people have to sign off on, right? Like the executives and especially with a new parent company coming in, right? Cause Warner media was just purchased by discovery. discovery yep. And, and so you have new people in charge and, I could imagine a conversation being like, wait a second, this guy who we paid all this money for, who's such a huge draw wants two and a half months off to go wrestle for a different company in Japan. Like Warner didn't, Warner didn't pay them. Warner didn't pay them. Discovery didn't pay them. That's Tony Khan's money. (laughs) That's Tony Khan's goddamn money. (laughs) Well, yeah, but I mean, you know what I, you know what I mean? And and no, I know know, it's true. Like network executives do have influence on this kind of thing. No, I know, but I feel like the way that Tony Khan has presented AEW so far, 
as I, I'm bet, betting he's won more battles than he's lost. Um, and I feel like this is something that he'd be able to flex a little bit. Um, especially cause I don't think Danielson comes to AW without assurances like this. Like I bet the network was involved with that from the beginning. Like, Hey, Tony's like, we can get him, but this is what it's going to take. So, you know, that's that. But, um, yeah, I, I'm sure we'll get more information about this pay-per-view probably after the double or nothing card. We maybe even may get some buildup around then too. Cause I hope it's not just like, Hey, here's the matches and boom. Like it's an, like, it'd be cool if there was some story and some buildup to some of this stuff. Yeah. Even if it is like, you know, we announce a match a week and we have like interviews with all those wrestlers and stuff like that. So, um, but Joel, we went a little long on stock up, suck down. It's time for a real lightning round. Lightning round. Any other week we would have talked about Dax versus cash, uh, in stock up, stock down. And it really is a bummer that we have so much to talk about because this match was fantastic from the coming out one entrance, but different tunnels. Uh, the match ending on a freaking like countered pin is so FTR. This was fun, man. This was really fun. Yeah. I, I thought they did a really good job of telling a story and, you know, creating some emotional stakes between two of the most in sync wrestlers in the company and, and possibly in all of pro wrestling, like they're such a cohesive tag team and they've done such a great job of building them up as being, you know, essentially family and to see them get frustrated with each other in this match. And like, you know, cash being like, you know, you poked me in the eye and Dax being like, come on, man. Like I didn't mean to. And then the shoving match and, mm-hmm. and then the match getting a little bit chippy after that. Uh, the knee injury and then Dax going for the sharpshooter and then deciding not to. And, and, and like the whole sequence that led up to the finish, I thought was great. And um, man, I just, I just love these guys and I'm so happy that they are in a company that respects their craft and puts them in these positions to, have memorable matches. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> FTR with the, the, the news last week of, Hey, WWE would be interested in bringing, bringing them back. I'm just like, fuck no. Like, like I, I never say never in wrestling because it is professional wrestling, but man, I can't see FTR going back there. Not only because of how they were treated too, but also they talked about how they want to bet. They want to be involved in a good tag team division. Yeah. And they just don't emphasize that there. So I'm not worried about it. FTR's here for short term and I, I believe the long term. So Joel, what do you got for me in lightning round? Uh so I want to talk about a segment that uh, I don't think really served any purpose, but I enjoyed it anyway. So if the purpose was purely to entertain me, I'm good with it. And that is the Jericho Appreciation Society and uh Santana and Ortiz and Eddie Kingston. And really what this did for me was it it gave us an opportunity to get Eddie Kingston doing what he does best and also Daniel Garcia getting more reps on the mic. And he continues to be really entertaining and charismatic in this, you know, really smarmy, awful persona. And I love it. Um, I I thought Kingston calling out Jericho and being like, you you using these words, but you don't know what they mean. 
And <laughs> where I come from, you don't say that unless you're prepared to put someone in the ground. And like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's like, oh, hit must mean something different in Canada. <laughs> like, yeah. Because in mean, New York, it, it means something very different. <laughs> so good. It was so good. Yeah. I, I guess I'm, I don't know. I'm just. <laughs> I was in on the Jericho Appreciation Society, and I think I'm still in, but I just, where is this going? What are we getting to? Like, they had, like, I'm tired of seeing the good guys beat down by Jericho and his goons, like, especially because they all look like a boy band this week wearing all white, except for Hager, who doesn't own shirts anymore. They must have stolen his luggage because he he doesn't have fucking shirts. Like I, I think it's got to be going towards blood and guts. And I think blood that's the, the final resolution here. Um, I liked the Jericho throwing the fireball. Um, yeah, that's very old school <laughs> pro wrestling sports entertainment gimmick. I, I did laugh when uh, Kingston's on the ground, like in pain. He's just like, ah, my face, my face. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, we know, dude. You don't like, I think it's because the last time he dealt with an explosion, it was very underwhelming and he needed to make up for it this time. So I also have to point out, I really love the voiceover before they play Judas that gets yeah. updated every week. <laughs> and this week it's like for the past seven weeks. Said, said like it's, you know, like for the past 30 years. years yeah. But no, it's seven <laughs> weeks. And it's like, it's so good. It's so good. Yeah. I, I think Blood and Guts is the end game here, but you you can't have a an unbalanced war a blood and guts match. So where do the two other team members for Eddie Santana Ortiz come from? That's kind of what I want to know because that's going to help extend this story and keep it interesting for that eventual match. Cause they can't do that at a pay-per-view because it has to be a very specific arena. And I don't feel like they would want to have double or nothing set up with two rings the whole fucking night. So when is that match going to be who they, who's going to be involved with it? Um, yeah. So, but yeah, I, it, it was, it was fine. I, I think in the moment I was like, Oh, more Jericho bullshit. But um, after hearing you talk about it and, just the greatness that is Eddie Kingston. Thumbs up, thumbs up. Um, something I want to talk about, uh, the return of Ray Phoenix. I always love a good bait and switch uh, where they thought it was um, Alex in the ring. Uh, I just I just wish the, the pack just wouldn't disappear for so long. Like, they've been involved with this shit for months and just, Pack goes in and out and then Phoenix was out. So um, I'm glad that we have the trios back and we can finally take this feud with the house of black further. But um, it's just weird when there's so many stops. And remember when pack was trapped in like England during the pandemic and it's like, Oh yeah, he came back and looked death triangles, a thing. Huh? <laughs> like, I don't know. Yeah. I'm excited I for the match, I guess. It has been a fair amount of stop and start. And I think there's been some unfortunate circumstances that have led to that. But I mean, it doesn't appear to be affecting what's going on in the ring or my level of excitement or from what I heard from that crowd, their levels of excitement. Good crowd in Philly tonight. Uh, Philly's always a good wrestling crowd for the most part. Like, so we, we need we need a trios title stat. Joel, we have so many trios. <laughs> So what I'll say for the Philly crowd tonight is that they did not go into business for themselves. And ah, I think true. that's something that you get from Philly a lot. And so to get a crowd that was like engaged in what was happening 
as opposed to trying to get their own shit over. I think that was like really refreshing. I've been to a a handful of like a good amount of AEW shows now, and I haven't really been to one where like the crowd tried to take over or put themselves over. The closest was that revolution when they were doing like the funny, let's go Adam, Adam sucks chance, Mm -hmm. but they like, it stopped or it shifted. So it wasn't the same shtick for 25, 30 mm-hmm. minutes. So I just, I don't know if it's just the way that they structure their sh- shows or maybe we're just AW fans are more evolved than other wrestling <laughs> fans. Um, but I, mean, I, I do, do appreciate... think if you're given what you're, what you want on a more frequent basis, you feel less inclined to boo the shit know, out of what's going bag. on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, was that mine or that was mine? So Joel, what do you got? So on an episode where Adam Page does not appear, I'm contractually obligated to talk about Wardlow. Um, (laughs) And mostly what I want to talk about is uh, two things. The amazing flying Rana at the beginning of the match. Very large human being to be doing that. To uh, another very large human being. (laughs) Yeah, very, very smooth, very impressive. And then finally him seemingly effortlessly getting Lance Archer up four times in a row for, for power bombs. The third one looked a little sloppy, but you know, one, two and four looked great. And after it seemed to be a struggle with the butcher in, in his last match uh, to hit those power bombs, they, they looked more like a, um, um, what's the, like more like a protoplex, if you remember that that mm. old move than yeah. a power bomb. Um, so uh, these looked much better, and I think what we learned tonight is that Lance Archer goes up lighter than the Butcher. <laughs> yeah, no shit. I also, <laughs> despite the Butcher getting ripped lately, I still think Lance Archer is probably more explosive and a better athlete, and can help contribute to that power bomb way more than the Butcher could. Um, one thing from this, Joel, was the post-match, uh, well, a little later in the show promo where um, MJF goes on the phone, which honestly, I could have done without the calling him on the phone. Like, that sounded like such an unrealistic conversation, um, but that's neither here or there. But he warns Wardlow that next week he will face someone who is, what, smarter than him, stronger than him, or taller than him, whatever, whatever. And you can't teach that. Pretty excited. Ooh. I'm pretty excited. Oh, yeah. I, I, I hope it's been... not. I hope it's not Enzo. <laughs> well, we know Enzo is not taller than Wardlow. So um, now, I mean, I've been watching uh, the W. Morrissey, who who is formerly known as as Big Cass, and uh, he's been great in Impact. I've really enjoyed his stuff, and um, you know, he's quit drinking and has looks incredible and just seems to be in a really good place as, mm-hmm. as a wrestler diamond and... Dallas page strikes again. You <laughs> amazing bastard. <laughs> like... <laughs> it's yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's a good, it's a good thing. And like, he's been teaming with Jordan grace recently uh, against uh, Matt Cardona and Chelsea green. And I don't know who's str- the stronger member of that team. It, oh, it's <laughs> definitely Jordan grace. No one is stronger <laughs> than Jordan grace. I mean, she's, she's a fucking record holding power lifter. Yeah. Like, yeah. It, yeah. She's amazing. But anyway, yeah. W Morrissey going to be fantastic. 
great opponent for Wardlow. And uh, frankly, is like a more athletic version of Lance Archer. Which is pretty goddamn wild to say. Because <laughs> like, yeah. Archer is really athletic. Um, yeah, one thing about Morrissey slash Big Cass. I remember when he was in that Fatal 4-Way elimination match for the Universal Championship uh, after Finn Balor tore his shoulders up after winning it. And he really like, he was a star in that match. Like it was a star making performance. And I remember talking to you cause you were back in the wrestling fold then too, that, uh, man, this guy's going to be fucking universal WWE champion within three years. So it's been a weird journey. So, Hey man, I'm excited for some big cast W Morrissey. Absolutely. It'll be nice so, to see him again, see what he's, what he can do in an AEW ring. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it kind of sounds like this is going to be one of those like Jeff Cobb style one offs. Um, yeah, I, I don't think we're going to be seeing him long term in AEW. I frankly, I think he's still under contract with with Impact. Um, but, you know, this is cool. I, I just I like the idea that, you know, anyone not in WWE can, can show, show up, up on any given episode of, at of any time. AEW television. And that's super cool. Yeah, we really haven't seen Jeff Cobb in AW since that like two week stretch. Yeah, that was who did he face? Did he face Moxley? Yes. Okay. I think I think um, it was Moxley. I think so too. Oh no, it might have been Cody Rhodes. It might have been for no no TNT Championship was around. Yeah, I don't know. I'll look it up later. Um, something I want to talk about, Joel. Uh, I'm all for a Christian Cage heel turn. There's, oh yeah, mm-hmm. they're starting to sprinkle it in. Uh, he made a pretty snide comment to Jungle Boy tonight in their backstage interview. And uh, man, I'm ready for this. And, and not this segment was great before. And then Team Taz rolls up and Ricky Starks just talks. And it brings us to a five star backstage segment. <laughs> I, I'm so excited for uh, Jurassic Express versus uh, Team Taz. Like, mm-hmm. This could be really fun. And Ricky Starks, they seem to be strapping the rocket to him right now. Just putting well, him should. everywhere. So. They well, should. Yeah. <laughs> He's, He's awesome. the future, yeah. goddammit. <laughs> well, hopefully he keep, keeps winning because Team Taz, they don't have much experience with winning streaks. Okay? Yeah, their track record is not spectacular. It is not great, Bob. Not great. Well, I, I think as a result of... of running long on our first three topics, we should probably wrap things up. We've uh, been going here for a while. And and frankly, I don't have anything else that I feel like I need to talk about. Honestly, I think we hit everything. My last thing is, sorry, Darby, you can't be in the Owen if it means Swerve can't be in the Owen. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. Like, I this tournament is, the tournament's brackets on both the men's and women's side have been stacked. I don't want Darby Allen in this if it means we don't get Swerve Strickland again to show off yep. for, you know, however long this tournament is. So and I don't think Darby needs to be in this tournament. Nope. Like, I feel like he's a, a, a his character, him and Sting. You can very easily plug them into a feud with someone and 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 run with it. And sorry, I'm going back to Christian because I meant to say this and I forgot uh, him as like an upper mid level occasional top of the card heel would be so good for AEW right now. Like there isn't really that like credible veteran mid-level heel that you can be like, Hey, throw them in a match with someone, throw them in a storyline with someone and just let them work for a few months. And I think 
you know, he's kind of has served his purpose with Jungle Boy and and uh, Big Dinosaur, <laughs> Luchasaurus. There we go. <laughs> um, he he served his purpose. Like he's been their mouthpiece. He's really kind of managed them since his stuff with Kenny Omega ended. Like I feel it's run its course, and I feel like that would be the just the absolute perfect role for him. And maybe I just want to see more Christian cage singles matches and him just being a complete shithead. Like he's such a good heel and there's not, I, I don't, I can't, can't really count that many people in AEW. I mean like, yep, they can be the type of heel that Christian can be. Yeah. Agreed. Like, yeah, sorry. I'm going to fantasy book Christian stuff later. We'll do the whole episode next week <laughs> on how I'm going to fantasy book Christian. Um, but all right, guys, Joel, I think we can wrap up. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the other wrestling show uh, at Twitter at OWS underscore pod, or you can look up the other wrestling show. It still works. Uh, you can get the podcast wherever you get your podcast, tune in Spotify, Apple podcasts, Stitchers. We're there. Give us a subscribe. You can email us at the other wrestling show at gmail.com. And Joel, anything to say before I have dreams of the NFL draft, join the dark order. Join the Dark Order. Remember, everybody, life's a work. Duck the clothesline. And happy wrestling. Bye. 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 Bye.